0: Hey everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Going For Something podcast. This episode I am so excited because we are welcoming our first guest Maggie on to the podcast and I had the most amazing time recording this episode with her. I am so grateful that she agreed to come on and I am so excited for you to hear everything that we chatted about. Maggie is a scientist turned perfectionism expert whose passion is helping others stop letting perfectionism rule their lives. For years, she let perfectionism rule her own life by pursuing endless degrees because that's what others expected her to do, by always being the most helpful friend and employee because her whole self-worth was driven by intense people-pleasing, by feeling like she wasn't good enough yet and had to keep proving herself. Then she realized that all these thoughts, feelings, and behaviors were driven by her perfectionist mindset. And that was something she could work on. She became obsessed with learning about tools and strategies to shift away from a perfectionism driven mindset into one that would help her live a more authentic, enjoyable life. And now she helps other women do the same. Through sharing her journey on social media, providing free resources specifically for perfectionists, to offering private coaching and courses customized to her clients' needs, Maggie helps other overachieving perfectionists take back the reins and stop letting perfectionism rule their lives. I am like really, really excited that you're my first guest on the podcast today. So Maggie and I first met in a course for coaches, and since I moved to America and we kind of like merged time zones we've been meeting for co-working and kind of just become like business friends and sharing the journey together. So if we just jump straight in, I thought it would be helpful if before you share your stories around successes and maybe some failure and things that you're working on around perfectionism, is there any background that you think that the audience might need to know around perfectionism in order to just follow the episode or to even just look within themselves around this topic
1: yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me on I'm so excited to be here I think um, for me the best place that I like to start is really with what perfectionism isn't Um, in our society it's really getting common to sort of claim like oh I'm such a perfectionist and it be some sort of like you know, cute habit we have or something that we brag about because we like to do things perfectly. And I think that if you think that perfectionism is something to brag about and something that you can say really flippantly, you are probably not a perfectionist because that is not what perfectionism is. And how I like to describe what perfectionism is, is that it's really a coping mechanism that we have to avoid feeling shame. We really don't like the vulnerability associated with feeling shame and feeling like there is genuinely something wrong with us. And so we um, sort of navigate our lives and we structure our lives in this way that we can avoid shame at all costs. And the joke's on us because we end up shaming ourselves so much. Um, So we don't really avoid that shame at all, but we do avoid it to some capacity, that it's still worthwhile for us to operate sort of in this mindset, and I think that if you have poor self-worth, poor self-trust, um, if you find that when things happen in your environment, you make them mean something bad about you, um, sort of to your core, and you make it, you make yourself feel like you're not worthy of love and belonging, and um, you know success and happiness. I really think that. That is what drives perfectionism and we operate in this way where um, we really can be very avoidant about doing things because if they're not perfect, they will be judged and criticized and we will then make them mean something bad about us. And so we operate in this either hustle to try to make it perfect and burn ourselves out or be really avoidant, and sort of do nothing, or procrastinate a lot, so that we have lots of excuses, Um, and really just making sure that we are constantly proving ourselves, that our self-worth, even though it's awful, isn't judged by other people, and it's this idea that, like, if we were perfect, we wouldn't have all these struggles, and so we're always striving And setting expectations for ourselves that like we should be perfect but the reality is that we are absolutely not perfect people so we don't think that perfectionism is some sort of cute habit that we like to make things perfect or that we like to take a long you know a longer amount of time to make things perfect and we also don't think it's something to brag about it is for real perfectionists I think we really recognize that to some degree, it's our worst quality. And I don't say that in the sense that um, it's another thing to shame or guilt ourselves for being a perfectionist. But I genuinely mean that in the sense that if um, you sort of look at your life and you look at the things that really aren't serving you, perfectionism is definitely at the top of that list. So that's how I like to describe it. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that you started explaining what it isn't. And um, I think for me, I can definitely relate to a lot of that. I think, I mean, who likes feeling shame as well. So I'm sure that almost every person to some degree um, should be able to relate to perfectionism and um, how perhaps perfectionists take that shame avoidance to the next level. And it really does stop us from achieving the best that we hope for. I just wondered if I could also kind of flip the um, question, like you say, it's the biggest thing that's holding perfectionists back. I completely agree. Um, but I also wondered if there was any things that you could flip and say, you know, what's one of the best things about being a perfectionist or what's what's a good thing? Because so often, like you say, as perfectionists, we are told it's a hindrance and we have that tendency to kind of beat ourselves up, even maybe for being a perfectionist and for not being able to like overcome this stuff. So where does the possibility lie and the power lie in in being a perfectionist if you could harness that?
1: I think um, for me, I really see it as um, because you get it, because you understand that there's all this like fear under the surface that is like feels so real, but like isn't really real. I think it makes you really empathetic to the people around you and it makes you um really really conscious of how your actions are affecting other people and i think that can be really great because i think there's a lot of people in this world who have no problem with walking all over each other and you know manipulating each other and um really taking advantage of other people and in my experience with Myself and the perfectionists that I work with, they tend to be really, really compassionate towards other people. And one of the things that um, I often encourage them to do actually is to think about, you know, if you were speaking to a friend, how would you speak to a friend in this situation? And the switch flips instantly, and the kindness comes out, and the compassion and the understanding is like next level. But when they're speaking to themselves, it's not there at all, right? And so I really think that perfectionists um, tend to operate in a way that really considers other people's experiences and um, is really just mindful of how hard some things in life can be and that that's like really justifiable. And um, yeah, I just think that like compassion for other people is like so there for perfectionists.
0: I love that like I feel that's so that's such a good answer and it's so real and human and I think it just shows how perfectionists I think really feel the depth of like the full human experience as you say and can really relate to a lot of people's situations even if they haven't like been in them that's beautiful um I wondered should we move through and you could tell us a little bit about a success in your life and how you think that experiencing that success through your lens of being a perfectionist um, affected the way that you actually um perceived experienced and felt that very success
1: yeah so I consider um overcoming perfectionism to really be one of my biggest success stories and um I think that sort of like what I achieved along the way is um what sort of externally that success is but what happens sort of inside of me is what I really hold on to as the successful thing and that was when I was completing my master's degree and um, the amount of work and mindset work and internal sort of work it took to actually complete that degree beyond just like you know crunching out the lab work and writing the thesis and defending it and whatnot um I really think that that is one of the most successful things I've done because it was really the first time in my life that I like operated outside of the perfectionist mindset. And I considered that there was something else there. Um, And just so for context, I have um, a bachelor's of science degree um, in biochemistry. And then I went on and did a life science degree, sort of more like health science based um, for my master's, which um, Involved a lot of research. Um, in Canada, they are like a two-year program. Um, oftentimes, people go overtime, and so I completed it in three years. And it involves a lot of research, a lot of teaching at the university, um, and a lot of self-directed work which is where the perfectionism really showed up for me when i no longer had due dates and deadlines for assignments i no longer had exams that i had to study for it was really like here you have two to three years to complete this massive project here you go and there wasn't a lot of um supervision it was a lot just sort of like on me to A, decide what the work was going to be because I had to design my own project, but also um, get the work done in a timely manner, in a efficient manner. And really, the way like science research works is like you need to sort of be perfect in some degree. You need to have high standards. It needs to be um replicable. You need to make sure that like every single sample you treat the exact same um, so that you're not like inducing human error into it. And at the same time, you need to be okay with the fact that like sometimes your results don't work out and sometimes, um, you know, experiments fail and, you know, you need resilience because you need to be able to like pivot and try it a different way or change sort of where you're going. And when I was in that space, perfectionism flared up like never before. I um, became so avoidant of doing things. I was so all or nothing. I was um, people pleasing to sort of appease my supervisors while also like being so resentful to everybody who was around me for what they were making me do and whatnot. Um, And I really was stuck and I really was like, I have all the motivation to do this. I want to do this. This is something I want to complete, but I can't will myself to get there. And um, I discovered this thing called perfectionism. And I discovered that it was basically just a mindset and the way that we sort of like perceive ourselves in the world. And that that was something that you could change and you could shift and doing that work, it was hard. It was um, probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And like the outcome was that I was able to complete my master's and defend it in a really growth-minded way. And that was the only way it was going to get done. It was not going to get done if I had didn't make those changes. And I'm just really, really proud of myself for A, completing a master's degree, because that is something mm-hmm. that not a lot of people do and also even more so like my internal experience of completing it in that growth-minded authentic way that let me you know really overcome something that had gotten in my way and was ruling my life in every single area of my life
0: I love that it sounds almost like you chose a degree that was kicking the hornet's nest of perfectionism And in a certain way, caused it to kind of explode. So when when that kind of happened and you were struggling with your perfectionism and you did you seek out a solution in what you didn't know at the time was perfectionism, but you later discovered um, perfectionism or was it something you just stumbled across? How did you what were the kind of crossroads that led you there? So I was a
1: huge people pleaser and as much as like sure the work procrastination was there like I figured out a way to get it done but the most painful part of perfectionism for me was people-pleasing and was really um, living my life based on other people's expectations um, being like the most supportive friend to people who would walk all over me and manipulate me and like encourage my people-pleasing and So that was where I really, really struggled was with that sort of um, emotional side of things and um, those sort of feelings. And I, so like spring 2019, I think, um, I was sort of at the halfway point of my master's and um, I got into a relationship and um, he was the first person first real healthy relationship that I'd ever been in Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that to be dramatic uh that is the honest truth I let people walk all over me and mistreat me and I just had no understanding of like the fact that somebody could love you unconditionally and so anyway got into this relationship with this lovely guy who um like didn't you know love me despite my flaws he just loved me and like my flaws were a part of the equation mm-hmm. and he really loved me unconditionally and if i was having a bad day he still loved me if i was having a good day he didn't love me anymore and i had an identity crisis because i very much realized that i didn't love myself and that that example of somebody for really the first time in my life loving me unconditionally and um really like being there for me every single day made me realize that that was something that was lacking in my life and so i really started looking into that more and um i stumbled across perfectionism after looking at a lot of different things and um i was really drawn to sort of the personal development personal growth world because um there was a lot of people talking about sort of like you can change Thoughts and feelings about yourself, you can change your beliefs, and that was really what was at the core of this problem. Was that um, my beliefs were really that like I was not worthy of love unless I was achieving things, and I was not Mm -hmm. worthy of friendship if I wasn't sort of like striving to be likable and to help people, and to never say no to people, and to always be the first one to volunteer for something. So that's sort of how I landed on perfectionism as my problem, and there was a few things that came up like before that, and none of them really resonated. And then perfectionism came up, and I was kind of like, "Oh wow, yeah, that's me. That's that's the answer to this." And yeah, uh, then I started doing the work, and it all changed. And I got to this place where, like, I love myself unconditionally, and. I love myself on the good days and the bad days. And I've really just like accepted myself as almost being like human. And I say that in a really cringy way because I hate when people are like, you're just human. But um, like really just recognizing that like, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I am good enough as is. And I can go and achieve stuff just because I want to, not because it's some like opportunity to prove myself.
0: I love that. And if somebody was listening right now and they were thinking, oh my goodness, yeah, I'm a people pleaser and maybe I don't really love myself, Mm -hmm. what would you say to them in terms of starting that journey, Um, both in terms of, you've kind of explained the possibilities of where you can get to, but how did you go about rebuilding your self-love and kind of cutting out the people pleasing?
1: Yeah. I think awareness is absolutely the first step and just recognizing it and living your life in a way that you are just seeing what you're doing and not shaming yourself for doing it and not needing to change everything all at once um, is really where it's a great place to start and to just really be like, oh, look, that's interesting. I was people pleasing in that moment. And instead of then flipping it and going, shame on me for people pleasing, that's such a perfectionist thing to do. I shouldn't be doing that, blah, blah, blah. Just really recognizing that, like, oh, yeah, that's a symptom of perfectionism. And then sort of moving on um, is really where I would recommend starting. You um, can start working then on your beliefs and really getting to the core of, like, why are you people pleasing? What do you need to provide for yourself that the people pleasing is providing for you? Um, and really making decisions for yourself, whether that is something you want to do or not, um, doing the work to set the boundaries that need to be there, um, and really just becoming familiar with like who you are and what's, um, authentic to you, not what, um, the people in your life want you to do is really like where you can start and you don't need to start changing your actions, you don't need to um, worry about the repercussions you can really just start looking at it and becoming very aware of how you're acting and how you want to be acting
0: yeah I think one of the reasons we've kind of I'm just nodding along people can't see but I'm like nodding away Um, I think we have such a similar we've worked on so many really similar things which I think is why we've connected so much um, in this journey, I just wanted to go back and just kind of add some thoughts I had around the awareness step. I think for me as well, the first step was awareness. And um, if you are in that stage, it can feel like such a hard step because suddenly when you become aware, it feels like you've taken a step back because you're almost like, I've I've seen all this stuff and I don't know how to change it. So you almost, especially if you're like tying that together with the perfectionist lens, with the kind of tendency to beat yourself up and things, um, you can really feel like awareness isn't a step forward, but the truth is like it is the first step forward and it's always the hardest step as well. Once you start taking those baby steps, like you've mentioned towards reframing your beliefs and the other things, you can really start making um, amazing progress. So tying this back to um, your success in terms of overcoming perfectionism in order to complete your master's degree, do you think that you know, did you need to overcome a hundred percent of perfectionism in order to do this? How much do you think, you know, if it was a sliding scale, I know that the world doesn't work like that, you know, not to a hundred percent. How much did you overcome in your journey so far in achieving this success? And how much do you think you needed to overcome in order to achieve this success?
1: That's a very good question. And I have not considered that before. I think, um, I don't know if I can assign a number to that. And Mm -hmm. the reason is, is because um, like perfectionism still comes up for me. And it's sort of like when you overcome it in one sense, it shows up in a different way. And um, I don't really think that if you're genuinely a perfectionist, I don't really think that you ever 100% get over it. I think that you can live your life where like 80% of the time, it's not something that drives you anymore. Whereas in the past, maybe hundred percent of your actions were driven by perfectionism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and like, I'm saying 80% and that's just kind of an arbitrary number, but like the vast majority of your time, you are no longer driven by it. And when it comes up, instead of being like, oh, shame on me, that's perfectionism, or instead of giving into it and doing the perfectionist thing, You instead are like, oh, look, that's perfectionism. Okay, let's pivot. Or you're no, you're a day into it and you're like, oops, I've been acting in perfectionism for the last day. Let's pivot. And you're not shaming yourself for that. You just recognize that that's something that is going to come up in your life and you have the tools to pivot away from it and you can do it. And um, you get to decide if perfectionism is going to be how you operate or not. And so my sort of little catchphrase that I like to use is that perfectionism is no longer ruling your life. You know, you are living your life. you're not mm-hmm. living your life by perfectionism's rules. Um, and so that's sort of how I like to approach it and that's definitely a conversation that um, I always have for saying with my clients and even maybe before, they agree to work with me when we're speaking before about like, is this an option for you is like, just a heads up. Like, I know you want to snap your fingers and overcome this 100% Mm -hmm. and never have to deal with this ever again. But like, I'm not selling that as your solution. You will probably still suffer from perfectionism to some degree. And the awesome thing is, is that you can live most of your life without it. But if you are being a perfectionist about wanting to overcome perfectionism, as in if you want that like quick fix, um, you know, you overcome it and you never have to deal with it again, sort of like you perfectly overcome it, then like you're never going to be successful at overcoming it because that is not a viable outcome. And I think Mm -hmm. anyone who claims to have overcome perfectionism
0: to that degree probably
1: wasn't a perfectionist in the first place.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what you said there about being able to um, snap your fingers really is one of those signs for me as I moved through my perfectionism because at the start, like you say, you just want, yeah, you just want to be able to snap your fingers and have the outcomes and have it done. and it can feel so mentally heavy when you know rationally that you can't do that, but you, still just desperately want to because you don't want the shame and judgment from everyone of seeing you be a beginner and struggle at something and do that stuff and from coming through that with me seeing the need to snap my fingers drop has been like one of the biggest kind of such a fulfilling transformation to feel like the things that are worthwhile might take time and that that doesn't make me unworthy or a bad person and if people want to judge me for that, then it probably reflects their own perfectionism and their own lack of love for, them, for themselves. Um, so yeah, I really, really love that. Going back to the success, I can't help but notice that in your um, bio, you talk about pursuing endless degrees because of other people's expectations. And then of course, within our success is tied the fact that, this is completing your master's degree, which I know, as you said, is the underlying, there's the piece of paper that you get, and then there's all of the journey that you've actually been through. But I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about the emotions of the fact that this is one of your greatest successes, but it's also something that perhaps wasn't fully your own choice or path or um, directive.
1: Yeah, I think um, because I was such a people pleaser and because perfectionism was sort of telling me that um, I needed to live up to other people's expectations, I followed the path that other people told me to follow. You know, I went to the university, Um, that was encouraged. I did the program that was encouraged when I finished my undergrad and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. This master's opportunity came up and it was encouraged that I do that. And so I did it and looking back on it, I did, I made all those choices like so blindly. I just sort of did it because of, um, this need to sort of like, please the people around me and do what they wanted me to do. And, um, I got to this point in my master's where I think it was more on like the backside of overcoming perfectionism. So I'd figured out what perfectionism was. I was still convinced that it was what I really wanted to do. And sort of maybe in the last few months of completing it, I really realized that the only reason that I wanted to do this was to please the people around me. And because I thought it, quote unquote, was what I should do. And, you know, I thought it was like the right thing. And I thought that um, graduating from my undergrad and not knowing what I wanted to do with my life was very shameful. So I sort of decided that this is what I wanted to do. And um, I became very resentful of the people who had encouraged me and um, all the people who I was pleasing, all the people who were so impressed by the fact that I was doing a Um, you know, like an advanced degree. And um, I just became very resentful of all that encouragement towards what I was doing, because it was never my decision. And I truly believed in that moment that that was the only option for me. And um, I guess to like get back to what you're saying, like it was really um, in those last few months that I had this awareness of like, oh my god, I don't want to do this. But because I had invested a lot of money and effort into it, I decided that for me, and it was really a decision I made, I was going to see it out and I was going to finish it and I was going to not be disappointed in myself for pursuing something I didn't want to do. And I was going to be excited about completing it and proud of myself for all the work that I put in to complete it. And that I wasn't doing it for other people; I was doing it for me, mm-hmm. and that was like a huge shift in my life because then I started operating out of that with new decisions, right? And I started pursuing the things I wanted to do, and I sort of started to um, transition away from what other people wanted me to do, and mm-hmm. uh, in all areas of my life, in you know, in my work life in my more academic life in my family life with friends everything really started being about what i wanted to do for the first time in my life and it was shocking and it was hard and it was also awesome and rewarding and i really see that decision of like you know what i don't want to do this i didn't sign up for this even though i did um You know, it was like perfectionism almost that signed up for this path, but I'm going to complete it and I'm going to complete it in a growth minded way. And I'm going to use it as um, a really great real life experience to like practice these strategies and practice these tools
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: overcome this perfectionism, because I know it's going to trickle into every area of my life and it is absolutely going to be so worth it. Even if I don't use this degree, even if this is now just a piece of paper that, you know, I'm not necessarily working in the science field. I um, really recognize that that's not what I wanted to do with my life. And I did this degree just for the sake of it. And that's okay. And just really, um, instead of jumping back into the, like, shaming myself to be okay with it, just recognizing that, like, you know what, this is not what I wanted to do. But I'm not, it's not going to be another thing that I shame myself for, that I'm disappointed in myself for, mm-hmm. or that I regret, or that, um, you know, it's just more ammunition, I guess, against myself and make myself feel smaller and like I've done something wrong. Um, and so I saw it out and I completed it. And the fact that I completed it in that mindset is such a
0: huge success for me. Yeah, and you can really hear in that kind of like the realization that this wasn't your choice kind of allowed you to make a choice and choose even if that was to continue to do the thing, you know, making that choice to say that I'm gonna stay to do the thing because I want to really reflects a shift in like you say, your perfectionist mindset and all around that. And it kind of shows the kind of like light switch moment of the transformation. I loved what you were saying about resentment as well, because I think that resentment can be one of, kind of one of the sneakiest emotions because usually it only hinders us. Um, It doesn't actually really affect anyone else in terms of their progress and moving forward. But sometimes we feel so valid to hold on to that kind of emotion. Sometimes it's a way to spite the people around us for the injustices. And other times it just feels like we deserve to feel this way. Like, Like you say, you've spent your life doing a couple of degrees that weren't really what you wanted. Um, and so it's fair to feel that resentment. And I just wonder, how did you move through the resentment? And do you think that it's something that can be fully let go? And if you have let go of that resentment, or if you are still letting go of that resentment, do you think that there is a time frame attached to that and letting go of it?
1: Yeah, I think... Um... With my experience of people pleasing, there's a few different categories. There has been a lot of people in my life who have taken advantage of me, manipulated me, and I absolutely let them do it. But they always had bad intentions. They always saw me as someone they could exploit, and they had no problem doing that. And for those people, I don't think that um, I ever really need to forgive them for that or let go of that resentment because I think it's totally fair that I resent them for the way that they chose to treat another human being. However, I can heal and let go from the resentment I feel towards myself for letting Mm -hmm. them do that and that is really where like the self-love comes in of like I let that person walk all over me and for a long time I really resented myself for doing that and really mm-hmm. um, really just like was like well what is wrong with me that I like let them do that yeah. and that is something that has been really great to heal from and you know I still label those people as shitty people and that's, and I'm okay with that. And that is absolutely my experience of the situation, but, um, like there's nothing wrong with me for having been taken advantage of by those people. Then there's the people who had good intentions and I just happened to be a people pleaser around and Mm -hmm. The resentment for those people is absolutely not there because I recognize that that was me operating out of perfectionism and they weren't trying to take advantage of me. They were just trying to live their life and have a relationship with me. And I decided that um, I was going to be in this sort of like anxious mode of always needing to prove myself to them and always needing to like hustle for their love and whatnot. And those people my relationship with has improved since I've overcome perfectionism I have set really healthy boundaries with people and every single one of those relationships has become stronger more authentic they've been able to set boundaries back with me and I've really set that example of like you know our relationship can exist with these boundaries and it's better um and the thing that sucks is that like when you're in that moment of figuring out who those people are you don't really always know who they are so your experience can be really like um, jarring I guess to find out like who's not interested in holding boundaries with you and who is absolutely supportive of them Um, but for those people who you know were able to have those conversations with me and be vulnerable back and be honest and be supportive of me coming to these, um, recognizing sort of these patterns and like wanting to change them, there is no longer any resentment towards those people or towards myself. I have just recognized that I was operating out of a perfectionist mindset and that wasn't serving me and we have moved on and had deeper relationships. So I think it really comes down to the different categories of people um, and I also really just want to stress that I personally don't think that there is anything wrong with wanting to feel feelings towards certain people and if you want to feel resentment towards certain people and if you don't want to love certain people like you do not have to force yourself to be positive to everybody or to be non-judgmental of everybody I really think that like if you are okay with feeling that way, it's okay to feel that way. And I know that's kind of an unpopular belief, especially in uh, personal development and in, with this idea that like, we need to love everybody and like, mm-hmm. it feels good to us to love everybody. But I think that there's people who you need very strict boundaries with and you need to cut out from your life and that's okay.
0: Yeah, completely. And I love what you're saying that you can really see how not only have you taken responsibility for the areas where you needed to work on your boundaries, but I absolutely love that you, you know, you have still not placed blame, but you have still accepted that some people were being shitty in this scenario and they're not going to heal. Because I think there's, like you talk about, you know, it may be being an unpopular t- thing to feel the feelings. But as women, I think we've been very much socialized that we should be nice to everybody and we should be friends with everybody. And as part of that, it often leads us not to take you know not to take like not we try to take the responsibility of other people when sometimes like you say they're just they've just been a shitty person and really like what I can see here is that you've drawn the lines for yourself of what that looks like for you and you've taken some responsibility for yourself and where necessary have assigned a responsibility to others and I think that's such a powerful powerful thing
1: yeah I think it's um Something that a lot of people are very worried about when they overcome perfectionism and when they set boundaries because they think they're going to lose people, mm-hmm. and I've lost people. I have me too. Turned off, like turned people off completely by um, wanting to have these boundaries for myself. I have had people try to absolutely destroy my reputation because of the boundaries I've set with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't want to be like, oh, it's great. No problem. Like bad things can happen, but I am genuinely grateful for everything that has happened because the people that were taking advantage of me walked out of my life and it was easy to do (laughs) in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways because I set the boundary they were kind of like screw you why are you being an awful person for setting this boundary and Mm -hmm. walked out of my life and I think um, the connection and um, belonging that I have created in my life since that point with the people who decided to stay and with the people who reciprocated those boundaries and with the people who respected my boundaries and encouraged me to have them and um really were able to see me for me for the first time like Mm -hmm. it has been so worth it and the people who walked out of my life were toxic people who um were taking advantage of me and exploiting me and manipulating me and um like good riddance honestly and I think that if you're scared about like doing the perfectionism work and really setting boundaries with people and really prioritizing yourself it's valid to be scared of it but like it'll all work out in the end I think and having faith in that is really important and recognizing that you know people can self-select if they want to be in your life without perfectionism and the ones who say yes are going to be the absolute Biggest cheerleaders in your life, and the ones who say no, are the ones who are taking advantage of your perfectionism.
0: A hundred percent. And I think, like you say upfront, it can feel like such a, a fearful thing to have that perceived loss. But when you realize that it wasn't a loss at all, you've actually gained something in your life. And I feel like every one of us, before we make that loss, we're like, oh no, but I'm going to lose all my friends. And then once it's happened, you've ripped that bandaid, and you're a better person and you have a better life and it's so much better. Um, So I just have one kind of final question around your success here. Knowing all this background, you've talked about the mental journey as well as like getting the actual degree, Um, knowing all this background from within. If someone was just a stranger watching from the outside and they saw this journey, what do you think they would have seen and thought? Do you think they would have seen much of this from looking in your life on an outside or do you think they would have had a different story um I think that
1: it probably would have looked a lot different to somebody from the outside I mm. think perfectionists are very good about internalizing things and mm-hmm. keeping things very secret so I don't think anybody knew that I was struggling with that um I think that close friends and people who had insight into my day-to-day well-being absolutely noticed a difference but people who you know like a stranger walking by or someone who you know like another student in my program or whatnot I don't think they would have seen anything I think I did a pretty good job at like hiding it and like appearing very productive and um, you know being very relatable and fitting in sort of with what the expectations were and what people were talking about and what people were experiencing. I really, really camouflaged sort of into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, it would have been very hard to see. Um, but I do think the people closest to me were able to see it or I was able to educate them to see it. And I think that was um, really cool to be seen and to be celebrated by those people.
0: Yeah. We just never know what other people are working on or going through. And I think especially with perfectionism, like you say, the shame tends us to internalize quite significantly. So, And I can't tell you enough
1: how many people since I started sharing. So I finished my master's and then I basically started um, coaching stuff and started sharing online about perfectionism. It was kind of like I finished December 2020, Mm -hmm. January 2021. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many people that I was friends with in elementary school, high school, university, acquaintances, really close friends have reached out to me and are like, oh my God, I'm such a perfectionist. I had no idea you are you were going through all this and like mm-hmm. me too. And so I would just say that like, if you feel like nobody understands you and sees you, I think there is power in vulnerability and being vulnerable and being willing to share your experience will probably lead to more people saying oh my gosh me too this is so helpful rather than oh you're a perfectionist like oh that's weird that's not a real thing that's whatever that's you know worthy of my judgment and criticism and I just yeah I can't tell you how many people who would have been on that sort of like acquaintances not strangers because I knew them, but like, you know, really old Facebook friends who I hadn't talked to in 10 years kind of thing. Mm-hmm. like how many people have reached out and are like, oh my God, yep, this is me. And like, I don't even know them very well anymore, right? So I think even though we are very good at putting this sort of um, perfect exterior out, um, mm-hmm. I think that other people are also good at that and that there is a lot more perfectionists out there in the world than we
0: think um in terms of you mentioned there being vulnerable and sharing with people if someone was listening and they were just like no like I could never I can never be that vulnerable like maybe they don't have anyone in their life they trust to be that vulnerable with like what would you say the first baby steps are to them for kind of allowing themselves to be vulnerable
1: I would say start by being vulnerable to yourself and really hear yourself you know, like really um, own that that's your story and your experience and stop pretending to yourself that it's any different. And then I would say there is um, a lot of people that you can connect with that might not be in your immediate circle. And um, listening to things like this podcast might um even though it's not a reciprocal relationship, it might be a place where you can feel heard and feel seen, um, or you know, other podcasts or YouTube videos or people on social media, um, and then just like there's nothing wrong with reaching out to people. And um, if anyone is listening to this and thinks they're a perfectionist and feels like they need to tell somebody, and like doesn't know how to do that like send me or Laura a message and oh just, say, mm-hmm. hey, I just wanted to tell somebody who's going to be supportive. I think I'm a perfectionist. And our response mm-hmm. will not be like, oh my God, no, you're not. It will be welcome. Me too. <laughs> you're not alone. Right. 100%
0: and welcome to the club.
1: <laughs> and like, that's, you know, the first step. And like, um, I guess I should say this too, like on my perfectionism journey, like Laura came into it like two years in and I was doing it you know I didn't have someone who was like such a close relatable friend right Mm -hmm. away but like you will find those people if Mm -hmm. you are willing to be vulnerable and I think like I, I can't remember I know we like interacted a bit on social media but I remember when you were moving to Texas I think I just reached out and was kind of like so like can we talk sometime now that like you're in my time zone and you were like oh sure and like you could have said no screw you we live in a different country you could have said you know you could have had all these responses but like never
0: never I was so happy you reached out I was like oh because like you say finding your tribe in this can be really really hard and um I think connecting with people and for me mostly online is how it's been yeah like it is it sounds cheesy being like it's magical but like it's really really nice to find people that can understand
1: yeah and I think just having faith that you will find those people and if it takes Mm -hmm. two years or if it's you know one person at a time or small steps um really just starting to recognize um that for yourself is where you should start and then start practicing reaching out to people and having that courage and being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and Recognizing that like it is a practice and you will get better at it with time, but like making that first move is really important.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So I would love for us to shift through and chat about a failure now. Before like I know your failures because you sent it to me, and um, I I said to Maggie like I don't want you to come on and do one of those like cute failures that's like not really a failure. Um which you know kind of like the interview question where it's like what's your weakness and you have to find a weakness that like isn't really a weakness I was like share a real failure with us and I really feel like you have delivered um so this may be hard for you um but I know that people at home will be really happy to hear something actually real and not one of those kind of like bullshit things that isn't a failure yeah I will hand to you
1: I think yeah, I really love that you're doing that and that you're like encouraging me to not flip on the toxic positivity of like, and this is what I learned from it. And so now it's all fine because my failure has like, it, like, it doesn't feel like a big deal now because it's so much time has passed and I really don't mm-hmm. shame myself for it. And I genuinely have learned from it and have just mm-hmm. like learned to appreciate that like failure is part of the process. However, it is something that has haunted me and has affected me In a very literal sense, like years down the line. And so, I guess, like, without explaining too much and teasing too much, my failure um, is a literal failure. I, when I was in university, I did a a year abroad and I did not do well. I failed a class, I did horribly in multiple classes, and um, it was very hard because it was not um, in line with my identity at the time. I identified as someone who was smart, did well in school, worked hard, and those results were really, um, hard for me to deal with because I failed a class and did horribly in, like, three or four others, and, um, there was a lot of reasons for that, and, there was a lot of perfectionism behind that that I didn't realize at the time, obviously, hindsight 2020, um, but it has some been something that um, at the time was horrible to go through, um, was very stress and anxiety-inducing at the time. Um, when I found out about the results, it was very shameful. Um, I internalized a lot of it and just didn't really talk about it. Um, I bounced back pretty strong and went on to have like the best semesters of my entire degree, like academically speaking. And I really um, like felt like I had to prove myself even more because of the shame and whatnot I felt from the failure. Um, But like the failure was always there. And when I went on to Um, apply to my master's and apply to scholarships in my master's those marks meant that I couldn't get certain scholarships and Mm -hmm. they like that transcript has um, like haunted me and like I learned to make peace with it and take it as a learning experience Um, but like I really it was a failure that like haunted me for like years and years and it's still something that like I don't really talk about a lot like this will definitely be a lot of people listening will be like oh my god I never knew that about you um it's not something I'm like not interested in talking about I think it's just like not a topic of conversation that um has ever come up or that people have really been interested in and I just have not brought it up because it's not something (laughs) that I'm like super proud of myself for right and it's like you know if it doesn't come up, we don't have to say anything about it. Um, but yeah, that's sort of, I guess, the background of my failure. I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk me, want me to talk about around it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, you mentioned feelings of shame and obviously it kind of haunting you. And I think that every single one of us has whatever failures that we have. And those feelings are really quite universal when it comes to that but you also mentioned avoidance I think that you avoided some of those feelings for a time and how would you like to have processed these feelings knowing what you know now versus how you process them at the time
1: yeah so um I think I would have wanted to have more self-compassion uh I think I would have wanted to spend more time feeling the feelings instead of being like okay let's just like go and um, cancel this failure out by like crazy success because like it doesn't cancel out. Um, it helped Mm -hmm. and, um, like (laughs) ironically, I think this is like when people speak about failure and like it being part of the process, like it was absolutely part of the process because I, um, didn't do well because I didn't study in ways that worked for me. And that next semester back at school, I figured out how to study in ways that work for me. And, it paid off. I did well the next like few semesters. So Mm -hmm. it was definitely a failure that served me. It, um, humbled me a lot. It really showed me that like, you can't just, um, like smarts your way through things. Like you do need to apply yourself and you do need to be honest with like how you're doing because that failure sort of, um, without going like too far into it and all the like politics that nobody really cares about, like it really (laughs) came about because I um, was not honest with myself and was just trying to pretend like everything was okay when it wasn't and that resulted in that failure. And um, it, yeah, it really just taught me to like advocate for myself and like speak up for myself and make sure that I wasn't setting myself up to fail Mm -hmm. Again, that like perfectionism in that moment, like set me up to fail. It's no surprise that I failed with what I was doing and how I was acting. So I think it just like really taught me a lot about that.
0: And that sounds like another lesson in people pleasing, which you mentioned was one of your biggest struggle areas around perfectionism. And was this your first, sorry, was this your like first big life failure or had you, you know, have you failed before this or is this kind of like the pinnacle?
1: Failure, failure. Um, I like n- never really felt successful in my life so mm-hmm. like in terms of failure like I don't know I think I like avoided a lot of things so that I wouldn't fail um, but I like never really felt successful either you know like I yeah. uh, do you
0: think well was- sorry. sorry I did
1: well in high school and it was kind of like great that sets you up for going to university and it wasn't like oh my gosh, yay, I was successful at high school. It was just kind of like, what's next? What's the next thing to achieve? And so I never really felt successful in what I was doing, but I also never really felt like a failure. That was the first time that I think like um, on paper, I literally failed. And so there was like no question. There was no way I could spin it that I didn't fail. Like I, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so yeah. um, it's just hard to, like there was definitely times in my life when I felt shame and felt like I wasn't good enough and that was kind of all the time right even when I was succeeding it still didn't feel like enough and um, but I never really felt like a failure in those moments.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah and do you feel like the never feeling successful before that that was a symptom of your perfectionism and perhaps doing things that weren't for you and chosen by you as well that it kind of showed up earlier in your life oh god gotcha. yeah 100% yeah oh. so <laughs> you've mentioned that you feel um different feelings around the failure now um do you think that they're still processing to do and that there are more feelings you hoped ultimately carry forward or where are you at? I think um, a lot of the
1: work that I had to do around it was recognizing that like that failure wasn't really a part of me it was something that I'd done but it wasn't it didn't define me and it um, it was hard because like being in the academic world for so long like it really did affect me right and like I would get rejected for scholarships because of it and all of those kind of things. And which are things that matter when you're in that world, right? Like mm-hmm. getting scholarships is what, um, is something you can put on your CV to get this next opportunity to like climb the ladder. And like, because I was almost, um, ineligible in a lot of ways for like that first step, it was really yeah. hard to do that. And I really had to do a lot of work to Recognized that that wasn't about it didn't have anything to do with me as a person and like how I see myself and like who I am it was just like something that um was almost just like an aspect of my life but like didn't define me and so I think I really had to do a lot of that work in school to really um not have resentment towards myself for having failed and the fact that it was still haunting me And I think I've mostly made peace with it. I think, um, I don't know if I'm at the point where I would be like, oh, I wouldn't change a thing because it's kind of like, oh my gosh, now that I know all this about perfectionism, like I would love to go back and like do that differently. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think for me, I've made peace with the fact that it's something that happened in my life. It's gotten me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like I'm, I, if I had achieved that and I had always achieved things and never really like failed in such a dramatic way, maybe I would still be struggling with perfectionism because like nothing bad enough had happened for me to realize that there was something wrong. And like, maybe I still would be striving to live up to other people's expectations. And maybe instead of being, um, a like 24, 25 year old person or 20, 23, 24, 25 year old person, who was having these realizations, I would be a 45 year old person who was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I've lived so much life to other people's expectations. And now I need to do this perfectionism work. So like, in a lot of ways, I'm grateful for it because it like made me realize that something was wrong. Um, but I mean, it still sucks and it's still something that I don't like to talk about and I don't like to have as a part of me and I don't like people to know about necessarily right
0: Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing on here (laughs) I appreciate that hi anything for you (laughs) (laughs) um in terms of so just talking about failure this failure do you think that having this big failure has made you less afraid to fail in future or more afraid to fail big where has it kind of shifted your meter around failure
1: yeah initially it made me more afraid to Mm -hmm. fail like I strive to never have that experience again um Mm -hmm. I I don't know but I also think it was motivating um it gave me an opportunity to be really resilient Mm -hmm. and that was the first time in my life where I was like oh this resilience thing is a really great quality I have and Um, having like knowing that you have resilience and that you can be resilient makes you more willing to fail and um, I think for maybe that like couple years after that happened so that happened when I was 20 so and I completed yeah so like for the next four years um, I didn't want to fail again and I wanted to make up for that and I wanted to um, really make sure that um, the way I was perceived by other people was in line with this like I'm a smart person I am successful I don't fail mm-hmm. but I think that like having failed and nothing super bad happened to me even though it was haunting me in a lot of ways like nothing like I was still doing fine I you know I wasn't like crushed by failure and never able to do well again I actually the failure actually probably motivated me to do well Mm -hmm. I think having had that experience and being being like physically okay after it meant that I wasn't as scared as failure as a lot of people were and actually Mm -hmm. it's interesting this is like a very like side topic but when I was um doing my master's at the university um we I had to teach a lot, but I also did a lot of supervision of undergraduate students who were also working on my project and working in my lab. And when we would pick people who um, would apply to work with us or want would, would want to come volunteer for the summer or um, do like a course with my supervisor that they would get credit for their lab work, it was really interesting. She said to me that she doesn't pick the straight A students; she picks the students that. Um, Obviously based on like, you know, their interest level and how they do in the interviews and whatnot. But like mm-hmm. when she looks at their transcripts, she picks the people who have really variable grades, who have the A's and the Bs and um, or have had a worse grade and then bounced back from it. Because she said that if you're only used to getting straight A's and being essentially perfect in school, you're gonna have a really hard time when you get into the lab and like experiments fail. Or you have to be okay with shitty results and you have to like make something of them and she was like those students do not succeed in my lab and are such a pain to um work with and so i actually like like the students who um have experienced imperfect results because they're the ones who make the really great researchers because they're not Mm -hmm. afraid of like the results not working out and i think that for me made me realize i don't know if maybe that's why she picked me and why she was so keen to work with me um but that really gave me a lot of confidence in like it's okay to have a bit of a um variable success rate and it's okay to have failure on your transcript of life because it actually to some people makes you a more attractive candidate for something Mm-hmm. And so being sort of on the other side of that and seeing that selection process happening really gave me a lot of confidence in myself and like made me realize like, oh, that's exactly the kind of person I am. Like I'm not having some identity crisis when my results fail. I'm just like moving on or figuring it out or problem solving or um not making it mean something about me and just recognizing that it's part of the scientific process and all that. So um that was like something that along that sort of happened around the same time of like recognizing the perfectionism stuff that definitely like clued me into um like what failure means about me I guess Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and like you said if if someone's never failed they're kind of like oh as a person you're like oh great you've never failed (laughs) you don't know what it's like definitely okay I think something you've talked about um, as well around this failure is being really motivated going forward to not fail and also kind of finding resilience as a skill. And do you think this is something that perfectionism might have helped you develop or something that you've actually had to work on around perfectionism in order to make sure you do this?
1: I would say like On the surface, maybe, but like, absolutely not. I was wanting to be motivated and do well for all of the wrong reasons. It wasn't about um, me wanting to do well to be successful and because I enjoyed school and whatnot. It was like, oh my gosh, I have this like black stain on my life and I need to like prove myself and go so all in to like overshadow that and, um, like, it worked out okay, but it wasn't fulfilling, like, it wasn't, um, I wasn't doing it for the sake of, like, it being fulfilling, I was doing it so that, like, I never had to feel that shame of failing a class ever again, so Mm -hmm. I don't think perfectionism served me, I think, um, perfectionism was driving this, and I think that, um yeah sure on the outside I did really well and like I bounced back and proved myself to be the smart capable person that like was under question in that moment but I think that the mental drama of my life during that time was so painful and so I was so horrible to myself and I um was so dishonest with like the circumstances and like my experience of it all that mm-hmm. um I do not think it was worth it at all personally.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like the actions of what you did were empowering in a way. You know, you took charge, you made sure that you didn't make this mistake again. But internally the energy or the place that you were coming from from this was perfectionism driven, shame driven. And that's where kind of maybe you'd make a shift next time
1: like I was doing so well in school and I was like miserable and Mm. uh, burning out and not taking care of myself and um, being like really um, what's the word I guess like betraying myself of like who I was and what I loved and I was like really just like this is the only thing that matters. And I have to like erase this stain.
0: Yeah. And that's hard. That's a lot. That's a lot for one person to experience on the inside, even if on the outside, that's not what you see. I'm sorry if you can hear that. That's my dog. I swear every time I record a podcast, he's like, I'm going to ignore you all day. And then he comes over like, Hey, (laughs) so anyway, what are you still working on right now in your life?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm like really trying to figure out, um, like what I'm going to do with my life. And that sounds like really vague and dramatic probably, but, um, for so long, I was so driven by what everybody else wanted me to do. And I didn't even stop to consider what I wanted to do. And I've really done that. And I've really considered what I want to do. And, um, I absolutely believe that my mission is to take what has happened to me and what I've experienced and figure out how to help other people through perfectionism in a really useful way, but that also sort of like supports me as a career. And Mm -hmm. like, I recognize that like, oh, you know, I could just like do this as a hobby or like start a charity or whatever, but like for me, it really <laughs> needs to be like, you know, making me money and supporting my life. And um, because I think if it's not doing that, it's falling back into people pleasing. And I'm just people pleasing all the perfectionists who want my help out there, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's really what I'm trying to figure out. And I feel very vague about it because I don't really know how that looks and the way that Um, I've been doing that has shifted and um, I guess like externally it's always been like through coaching and through like educating about perfectionism but how I'm making it work on my side has like really changed a lot and um, it's taken so much sort of like believe in yourself um you need to learn new things you need to be okay with the fact that like you quote unquote wasted all that time pursuing science degrees that like aren't necessarily relevant to what you're doing now even though they like totally set me up to like be in the place that I'm in and think the way that I think and all Mm -hmm. that like no lost effort there whatsoever but like just a bit of belief work about like um people's perception of what I'm doing and people's interest in it or disinterest and um I'm really just figuring out I guess like what life could be without perfectionism and so far it has been awesome but every single day it's um almost like something new and something um that sounds like so freaking cheesy I can't believe I'm saying that but like it's just um really cool to see like what's possible when I like shift out of perfectionism and um it's just been really rewarding to help other people like beyond belief and I'm just figuring out how I can do that full-time because I'm still doing it part-time I still have um another job that I do, but um, mm-hmm yeah, just I guess like figuring out my purpose and how I can make that profitable. And I don't really see myself becoming some like mega boss babe who has a million dollar company. I really see myself as figuring out how doing this work can support me in the income that I need to live my life. And I don't really have the like business scale ambitions, at least at this point, like maybe I'll totally change my mind, but at this point, I'm just really loving helping people and I want to spend as much time doing it as I can.
0: Yeah, I love that. You mentioned that you're kind of vague on it, but I think your mission is very clear around helping perfectionists and maybe the the vehicle, the method that you're going to do that is where you're still learning and reiterating. So in terms of, of feeling that mission of wanting to help other perfectionists that are kind of similar to yourself, was there like a magic moment, you know, maybe when you got your degree or maybe when you when you failed that you kind of were suddenly like I want to do this or was it like a kind of slow burn that came slowly you kind of slowly started to realize that what you truly wanted was to help others with this same thing
1: yeah I've always been the kind of person who uses my own personal experiences to help the people around me Mm -hmm. and um like I remember like being in high school and like you know chatting about life stuff and me like sharing my experiences in a way that like helped other people go through whatever they were going through mm-hmm. and I remember like in university the same thing happening I um like went through a lot of really challenging things um at certain points like even before the failure of like being like bullied as an adult by the people I was living with and like that causing a lot of like really severe um, mental health issues and um, physical health issues. In some regards, I got like very chronic migraines and um, had that on and off for like years and years because of it. And um, just always like being really interested in like sharing those experiences with people if it was going to be helpful. And um, always, I was always very interested in being the person that people could come to in a very non-judgmental capacity Um, and I was always someone who could listen and um, really just like wanting to connect with people in that way and to I guess make my suffering mean something and um, so it's not surprising I guess in a lot of ways that Um, coaching was something I was really drawn towards. I think, um, I have a friend from, um, when I was like 18, 19, 20, and we were talking the other day, we hadn't talked in years and years. And he was like, yep. Not surprised at all that you're doing coaching. (laughs) Like, Could you have not told me that when I was 18, that that's like what I was made for? Because like, he did it. And he was like, yeah, you know, you always used to like sit down with us and like, we would come to you with our life problems. And you would like chat through it with us and help us problem solve and help us like figure out how to w- work our way through it. And that's like exactly what coaching is, right? It's um, being sort of that like soundboard to figure stuff out with. And um, it's just so interesting that like someone could see that so clearly in me back then. And um, I just really think that like, when I fi- figured out that coaching was a thing that I could do, um, I really was just like, okay, I'm going to do it then because that's, you know, what I love to do for free with my friends. So maybe I can help more people and maybe um, sharing my experience with perfectionism will help other people with perfectionism. And that is like my absolute, um, like what I love to do most is really share my experience to help other people
0: sounds like throughout your life you had little hints but maybe through the people pleasing and the other paths you took but they were still there like showing up leading you to here um so just in terms of kind of consciously as opposed to kind of throughout your life how how long have you been working on this goal of um helping others with perfectionism i would say we're
1: almost coming up on two
0: years Mm -hmm. right Yeah? yeah math
1: yeah almost two years um so far. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess like a year and a half. I started sort of like February 2021, January 2021. I think I started mm-hmm. like thinking about it in January. And then I started um really like being like, okay, well, let's try this in February, March of that year. Um mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it's been really, really challenging. And as you know, like um when you put yourself out there, that's when a lot of the perfectionism comes up. So I did a lot of work to overcome perfectionism and then started this journey and was like, oh, hello, perfectionism, you're back again. And had to (laughs) do a lot of work. And um, I think that is just so true to like, um, it is a mindset that because it's been with you so long, might continue to be with you for a while. And really recognizing that, you don't have to overcome it 100% to feel so much relief from it. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it's like, I don't know, it's been a journey. And I've been just trying my best to like really enjoy it and um, make sure that like, I'm not doing this because I need to achieve something. I'm doing this because I love doing this and really mm-hmm. letting the pace be what it needs to be. Yeah. Um, which like has not always been the case, you know, a year ago, I probably would have been like, it's not happening fast enough. But I think I've really made peace with like, where the pace is. And that at the end of the day, yeah, I want to do this, but I want to do this in a way that I want to do this. I don't want to do this in the way that everybody else is telling me to do this, or I think I should be doing this or to prove something to somebody. I just want to do this because this is what I want to do. And I'm doing it for me.
0: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. In terms of, you mentioned you've learned lots of new things and um, grown a lot. Are there any kind of quick tips and cautions that you might have for someone else who's a perfectionist um, doing this and taking on a big task of learning something big and new?
1: Yeah, I think um, it takes courage and like celebrate yourself for the courage that you put into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if you don't get anything at the end, like if there's no outcome, celebrate yourself for having the courage to um, go into it persist with it um, keep trying even though it's not working yet Um, because I think if you're not celebrating yourself along the way for that effort you're putting in like you're never going to get there and um, I've seen so many people who like we've connected with around the same time who started their businesses around the same time we did and like they didn't persist and like they're struggling to get back into it and even though nobody was listening or even though nobody was engaging or people you know weren't signing up yet for coaching like I think persisting has gotten me to the point where I am now and I'm really feeling like the effort is paying off and people are listening and people are interested and um, I'm actually getting to work with lots of people and um, it's really paying off now. But if I hadn't celebrated myself along the way and like persisted and made sure I was enjoying it and made it fun and really um, let go of the expectations of other people, I think I probably would have quit too, or I would have gotten busy with something else and pretended this didn't exist at all.
0: Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying there. And I think as well, beyond just kind of like ourselves and what we feel, um, when you give up, the world also loses what you were hoping to bring, which is usually a positive thing. Um, And I love the celebrate courage as well. I know we talk a lot about celebrating, don't we? Because I think it's something we both focus on more now. Um, And it's really important.
1: It's so cheesy, but like, it's true. If you, like, you deserve to be celebrated. And especially if you're a perfectionist, like, you kind of need to be over the top about it. And Mm -hmm. you need to be cheesy about it because compared to the average person, you have not celebrated yourself enough and what you think is celebrating yourself um not to be like it's not good enough but like you could be celebrating yourself so much more because our like um I guess our like celebration level is Mm -hmm. gonna be pressed compared to the average person and so you need to be like intentional and over the top about it because Mm -hmm. like you deserve to be celebrated more then you are celebrating yourself and I think that um what you're celebrating yourself for really matters as a perfectionist I think if you're only celebrating when you achieve stuff um that's probably cel- sending the wrong message to yourself and that's not to say don't celebrate achievements absolutely mm-hmm. celebrate achievements but like if you journaled two days this week and that was something you wanted to do more of you celebrate yourself for doing those two days if mm. you um had the courage to have a tough conversation with somebody you celebrate yourself for that courage no matter how the conversation went Mm -hmm. Um, if you have the courage to say hey I'm a perfectionist even if it's just to yourself like celebrate the fact that you are willing to admit that or that um you are willing to look into perfectionism more that you know, you weren't turned off by like the potential vulnerability down the road. Um, I think like celebrating yourself doesn't need to mean like going and buying a bottle of champagne and popping it and whatever, like it could just be like sitting and having a pep talk with yourself or like being really, really proud and excited by the fact that you've put in a bit of work today or, um, you know, rewarding yourself with something you love to do or um like sharing that with somebody like I can't tell you how many times I've sent Laura just like a message being like oh my god this thing happened yay <laughs> like, that's a way of like celebrating myself and then her response is like yay go you or like I'm super <laughs> <So now>. excited." <laughs> you know, yay you but like we'll talk about this later because I'm busy or whatever like you know it's those sort of things mm-hmm. that like totally count as celebration and like don't discount them because they are Really important,
0: in my opinion. I love what you say. And I think definitely in, in my experience as a perfectionist as well, it's like this idea sometimes that like if someone else would find this easy, then you shouldn't celebrate it. But the truth is, like if you found it hard, then celebrating that you have tried to do a hard thing, that you've, as you say, exercised courage, you've persisted, like that's really the kind of set, like the kind of motivation that's going to allow you to keep going at whatever this thing is and actually achieve the things that you want in your life and in a way that feels good as in opposed to a way where you're always like yeah cool like I've achieved that thing what's next I'm still not good enough Mm -hmm.
1: and as like a perfectionist precaution you don't need to like celebrate every single thing right you (laughs) like I I would focus on like Friday at the end of the week look back on your week and be like what am I proud of myself for doing this week and pick one thing and then next week pick two things and then like keep adding to it if you need to or like even just keep one thing for a while because I think if you're going to the point of like oh my gosh I need to celebrate myself more and I need to celebrate myself all the time and yay me I brushed my teeth and yay me I went to bed early and yay me I ate a healthy meal and yay me I went to the gym like you're probably being a perfectionist about it and you're kind of missing the point
0: So, <laughs> yeah um, you're turning celebrating into like a goal and a, an achievement yeah, yeah. exactly
1: right they like I love that being proud of myself is something to achieve instead of it like being actually about genuinely feeling the feeling of pride in a moment when you normally wouldn't mm-hmm.
0: I love that so in terms of working on your goal and managing your own perfectionism because you've mentioned that like each new level of working on this has brought up new perfectionism for you how do you manage both of those things together
1: um I think I really focus in on why it's worth it to not listen to perfectionism and um when it like, I guess my why is a bit different in different areas of my life. But when it comes to this goal, and like, building a business that helps people, my why is really about making my past pain mean something and help other people. And um, I really think that when I think back to that and think like, who else could be going through this pain that I experienced and how can me sharing my experience and using my skills as a coach to help them? Like how can, um, you know, like how do these actions relate back to that? It is absolutely building this business is the easiest thing to do. And like, it doesn't mean that the day-to-day work isn't hard, but it is like absolutely the clear thing that I want to do and the thing that I do do um when i make it about me and how i'm perceived in the world and how smart i look and how um you know if i'm saying the right thing or like what are people going to think about this um then it is so hard to do the work and it is so hard to continue making content that is valuable it is so hard to um show up for my people and um It's hard to coach clients because I'm worried about what they're thinking about me. And so Mm -hmm. I just am like, so I can't express how like over the top intentional you need to be if you're a perfectionist, (laughs) because like, I am just so intentional about reminding myself of that, like why of like why I'm doing this and not making it about me, but making it about like helping other people and um every time i notice perfectionism showing up i just like take the time to do the mindset work to pivot away from it and um it absolutely still comes up and i don't know if i'd say it comes up every single day but at least a few times a week i really notice myself being a perfectionist about something mm-hmm. and the cool thing is though like now i notice it and i notice it And I have the tools to shift it. And I notice it and I have the tools to shift it. And I have the self-compassion to not judge myself for it. And I have the tool, like notice it, tools to shift it, self-compassion. And then I start doing something different and I just move on. And that's sort of like the phases that you have to go through, right? You have to like start with the awareness and then you have to learn the tools and try the tools and figure out which ones work for you. And then you have to have the self-compassion and then you have to actually you know, change your outcome at the end, because if you're just spending all your time doing mindset work, but you're not actually changing the things that you're doing in the way that you want to, like, you're just kind of doing the mindset work for the sake of doing it. And you're probably being a bit of a perfectionist about doing the mindset work, right? Like, it Mm -hmm. it impacts so many areas of our lives. So I really, um, I really, I'm really like, happy with where I'm at in terms of perfectionism but I am not deluding myself into thinking that it is never gonna show up for me again. It is gonna be in lots of areas of my life that I haven't even considered yet. Mm-hmm. And um, having the tools to really like address it in that way. And instead of it being like a weeks, months, years long, like mental drama about something, it's like maybe a couple hours, like the odd time I have like a day where I feel perfectionist all day. But like that is like few and far in between, like maybe once or twice a year, and the rest of it is like minutes to hours of feeling it, and mm-hmm. then moving on and like n- like genuinely not having the mental drama there at all anymore. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like my take on it, I guess.
0: Mm. And I think a big part of what you're saying here is the the faith you now have in yourself to use those tools to overcome whatever new version of perfectionism is going to show up in your life
1: I might yeah I might not believe in myself that I can like um, actually achieve specific things but I believe in myself that I can figure out how to achieve certain things you know like I might not have the self belief of like this is going to happen for me or that whatnot but I definitely believe in my abilities and my resourcefulness and my ability to figure it out
0: Mm -hmm. I love that So just to kind of close off, um, based on kind of all of today's discussion and all of your wisdom and knowledge as a, both as a perfectionist and as somebody who helps other people with their perfectionism, what would you say are the two or three kind of foundational aspects that a perfectionist might need to look into either in order to overcome themselves, overcome, start overcoming their perfectionism or to identify what their brand of perfectionism might look like so that they can start overcoming it?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is to really make sure that you're a perfectionist and to really um, make sure that like you actually identify with these feelings of like inadequacy and that, you know, things need to be perfect, not because you're the kind of person who values perfect things, but because like it is like a painful identity crisis to like not put perfect things out into the world because they might be judged or, you know, this idea that like you don't want to do anything because it can't be perfect. Like really make sure that you actually identify with those feelings, not the like, oh, I'm such a perfectionist. Look at me, he, he, he feelings because like so many people speak about perfectionism in that way and that is not perfectionism. So I would say like start there then I think you need to really make sure that you are ready to do the work. And the irony is that like, you're probably never going to feel ready, but you need to kind of like be ready because if you're just like forcing yourself into doing it and you're not actually um, doing it for a purpose, you're doing it because you think you should do it because you are a perfectionist and like, you know, we got to overcome this because this is another thing that's wrong with us. Um, then you're probably not going to get very far. But when you're ready, or when you think you're ready, or when you, you know, you're ready to be ready, um, because it doesn't always feel like you're ready. Sometimes you're never going to feel ready. But when you're willing to start doing that work, like you need to be committed to it, because it's really easy to start doing it. Be like, oh, this is too much for me. And shift away from it really quick and get busy and forget you even were doing it in the first place and find a new hobby or find something else you can work on that's less vulnerable and if you actually want to overcome it in the end like you need to be committed Um, and then I would say like part three like find a place where like you can be accountable to yourself while also having self-compassion and Um, that might mean having somebody else to speak to, whether it's a friend, um, a coach, a journal that you just write in to sort of keep track of what you're doing and keep yourself accountable. Um, the accountability piece is really important. And like, for me personally, um, like I really needed external accountability to some degree to do it and um having that really was when i started noticing that all the things i was learning about perfectionism were finally being implemented into my life and so um i would say like accountability and self-compassion are things that you're going to need to like have in your tool belt along the way too 100
0: mm-hmm. percent. so i just have a couple of broad questions for you to finish up um the first, do you believe there is a true calling or one true path for every person out there?
1: Ooh, deep question.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes and no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you managed to to give all the answers. I love it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so how I see it is like, yeah, I think that like um, finding your calling is absolutely incredible. And like, I really do feel like I've found my calling. However... I think that being so stubborn to think that there is only one true calling for you is also not helpful. And so Mm -hmm. I think being open to the idea that like there might be multiple callings or things that add value to your life that aren't necessarily um, related or the same thing um, is really important too. So it's almost like I'm supportive of the idea if you can find your calling, but if you haven't found it yet, don't shame yourself into being like, I haven't found my one true calling, therefore I'm not deserving of success, yeah. belonging, I don't know, fulfillment, et cetera. So I would say like, yes and no to that one, because I think that we can shame ourselves a lot if we haven't found it yet. And we can um, pretend that something is our calling so that we can fit in which mm-hmm. I'm putting my hand up right now because like, <laughs> and, but I genuinely feel like this is my calling. So like, I am kind of supportive of that idea.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And do you have any secret dreams, like big things that you would do if you won the lottery or things that you really think should be brought to the world, but currently they're beyond your means or what you are able to do now?
1: Ooh. I don't know if i have like secret dreams i definitely have dreams but i have no problem like telling people about them um i think that um in a broader sense like i really um think that perfectionism is something that more people need to be talking about and hearing about um and what real perfectionism is needs to be shared more broadly because i am so sick and tired of hearing people bragging about being perfectionists when um they think it's some cute habit and they think it's like you know a brag worthy thing mm-hmm. um, and i would really just love for people to be aware of perfectionism so that they don't need to be um a 20 something struggling suffering person like I was, who finally heard about this thing called perfectionism. Like, I really think that um, it's something that like, we need to have more conversations about so that it can be recognized sooner so that it, you know, can be something that's like nipped in the bud so that like, it's not such a um, default mode of operating for so many of us. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know like how, um I fit into that dream that's just more something I guess like I want for the world and if I can make a contribution to that that would be awesome um for me personally I think like there's a lot of things that perfectionism stopped me from doing um and there's a lot of like grief associated with um the things that I didn't get to do because I was a perfectionist and I think that um I have a lot of dreams that I want to realize now that um have come out of like not needing to be a perfectionist about things anymore and Mm -hmm. um I really think that like this whole building a business to be in control of my life is like one of those things right of like I, um, because I was a perfectionist for so long, just never even considered that this was a possibility for me. And so now I feel so behind on it because like, I could have done this sooner and I like waited longer on it and whatnot. And just like really making sure that like, I am living life to the fullest and not being driven by perfectionism and like doing things that are authentic to me um, is definitely like, not secret dreams, but like, big dreams for me and I don't know how that's going to happen yet um, but yeah I don't know that's kind of a vague answer but if you want specifics I'm happy to talk more about
0: specifics. <laughs> Is there anything specific you'd like to share? If not you've so they'll give an answer.
1: Oh my gosh things like um, I would love to travel more but mm-hmm. you know pandemic kind of screwed that opportunity and then um, <laughs> now I just sort of have like other things I'm figuring out in my life that like make travel a little bit more challenging um but yeah so like traveling more um a lot of like feeling behind in my life too right now is that like a lot of people um decided what they were gonna do when they were 18 and started pursuing it and I decided what Mm -hmm. I was gonna do when I was like 26 and started pursuing it and so Um, it's really feeling like I'm at the start of my journey when so many people around me are, um, you know, like eight years into their journey, um, nine years into their journey. I can't do math, but like, um, so I think for me, like recognizing that, like, that's still possible for me and that, like, I don't need to be a perfectionist about those sort of things. So, you know, like things like buying a house or, um having money to spend on um like having sort of like disposable income to spend on ridiculous things um -hmm. and like not ridiculous in any like mean sense but like not the necessities sort of things you know and I think um those are things that I'm like looking forward to and like dreaming about and like trying to figure out how um to make possible so I don't know just like more financial security and traveling and um getting more like settled down in my life I think now that I've figured out who I am a lot more I think um is things that I'm like looking forward to and like starting to dream about
0: mm-hmm. I love that and as somebody who maybe from the other side of that coin not 18, but like, I think I had my my job lined up when I was like in my second year of uni and I spent eight to 10 years doing that as mm-hmm. the wrong thing. Like, yeah, it can go both ways and seeking happiness is where we've both ended up now. Um, and there might be people that are along that path of having done that thing since they were 18, that on the inside, aren't really vibing with it anymore and every time they feel that it's kind of too late for them to make that shift and they see people like you um and it inspires them to do that
1: that's all I ever hope for in sharing my experience so thank you for that
0: of course this has been like the best first guest podcast ever like I've had such a good time and I did not think we would be like have so much to say and talk about and um you've shared like so much wisdom that i'm like i need to get a notepad and go back through and like write all the things that i can learn from this as well so just closing up where can everybody find you um is there anything you have for them that you want to draw their attention to as well
1: yeah um so i am at coaching by mags on instagram um i'm sure laura will link that I'll for link you it, guys, yeah but um that's probably the best place to reach out to me. Um, You can follow along, you can read through some of my content. I have a lot of like strategy and tools and stuff that I post um, on my feed. You can send me a DM and let me know, hey, I'm a perfectionist. I heard you through Laura and just wanted to say hi. Um, And yeah, it's a really great place to connect and um, I don't know, meet more like-minded people um it's always cool when I like share something really vulnerable on there and people are like oh my god me too so um I love connecting people there I also have a lot of free resources on my website um and you can just access that through my Instagram um I have sort of like procrastination tools journaling tools lots of free stuff on there that I like to put out um and you can also sign up I send a newsletter out sort of every few weeks just kind of a like behind the scenes of what's happening with me and maybe some more vulnerable things than I actually just like publicly share on my social media um, and sort of more things I'm working on currently and going through. Um, And that's something that you can easily sign up for if you just
0: send me a DM on
1: Instagram, I'll add you to the list.
0: Um, But yeah, that's probably Mm -hmm. the best place to get in touch with me. I love that. Are you still doing your um, procrastination challenge? I signed up, Maggie did a five-day procrastination challenge, which I signed up to. I haven't finished. I'm guilty <laughs> to admit that I've procrastinated, but it's been super helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah, I still have that. That's just on my website. So it's sort of like a little mini course that you can do around procrastination. And mm-hmm. I share um, five really, really simple tools that work for perfectionists. Um, and it genuinely takes like five minutes a day. And the cool mm-hmm. thing about that, I know Laura joking about like procrastinating on it, but <laughs> the cool thing is, is that like once you sign up, basically it's like five emails that you get. And so you have them forever. So yeah, you can
0: procrastinate.
1: There is no um like pressure to do them right away. Um, you can do them in your own time. You can check back if one works for you and you don't even want to look at the rest of them. You can totally do that. Um, And so, yeah, it's just definitely set up in a way that is good for perfectionists. Cause I know we like to do things perfectly or not at all. And in this sense you can, Easily come back to it if you've mm-hmm. gotten busy with something else or you're procrastinating on doing it. Um, all you have to do is open your email, and you have them forever.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just pick one as I procrastinate, which is happening less and less for me. Um, but as you say, as perfectionists, maybe we op- we open the we don't do the first one and we're like it's game over. But it's great because you have all five on your inbox, and you can just pick them up whenever you need.
1: Yeah, never. I definitely recommend it. unless you delete them from your inbox, but otherwise, it never expires. Awesome well thank you so much. Thank you for having me I really appreciate it it's been awesome to nerd out about perfectionism and you know me I love to like talk about life and (laughs) share my wisdom so thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that.
0: We'll definitely do it again in future if you're up for it and nerd out again. Awesome I'm down thanks Laura.